1: and welcome to a hell of a special edition of wizards the podcast guide to comics currently swimming in a pool of my own tears as i watch my wife live happily ever after with my best friend i'm adam and joining me tonight is a man who may have more in common with angela than al simmons as he continues to pursue every spawn collectible in existence for his trophy room using the hashtag spawn hunter from the fiery bowels of the internet it's ty diaz welcome to the show
2: well thank you Thank you for having me, Adam. I'm very excited to be part of this special episode of Spawn, The Legacy, and obviously The Collecting
1: yeah we've been having a lot of fun watching your collecting and communicating with you uh, online over the last couple months so we knew this was on the horizon and you would be the perfect man to bring in for this job Uh, now here's the interesting thing about this special so Todd McFarland obviously was very integral to the success of Wizard from its launch as a monthly publication obviously we know he provided the art for the first cover many more after featured spawn not necessarily drawn by Todd a few of them were uh but of course course, the news of Todd and Spawn just filled the interior of the Guide to Comics. And so it's interesting, this special issue is officially a Spawn tribute edition, but I think it could just as easily be called a Todd McFarlane tribute issue for all that we're going to discuss and all that is a part of it. But we'll get into that soon enough. First, we want to get to know our Spawn expert here and find out where all this fanaticism and excitement began. So, Ty, please tell us your origin story.
2: I was living in New Jersey and going to high school. I happened to be walking home. I got to meet people that also had the same route as I did. And one of these buddies, eventually one day on a Wednesday, see where I'm going here, said, hey, I'm going to the comic book store. Do you want to come with? And I said, comic book store? Never. No, I don't know what it is. So I went, checked it out. And he introduced me to the world of image comics. It was pre-image comics, so it was Malibu comics, and there were several comics involved in Malibu characters. And once Youngblood came out, he said, hey, check this one out. And I was floored by the art, and at the time was Rob Liefeld. And I became a comic book junkie at that point. So when June 1992 rolled by, and Spawn number one hit the stands. I was there on a Wednesday. I picked it up, and those panels, the spreads that they have a Spawn, Todd McFarlane, drawing Spawn, it just, I was hooked. It was a love at first sight, as some may say, with Spawn. And I bought one copy, and I I went home that afternoon and I showed it to my parents. I showed it to my brother. I, I even showed it to my mom. I said, <laughs> Check this out. Check it out. Look how beautiful. Some people say they are inspired to draw. Some people are, are inspired to get artistic. But to me, it was just people go to museums and, and look at pieces of art. And I looked at these panels. And to me, that was art. I was I could just stare at these pieces. So you can imagine I was officially a Spawn fan from issue one. And then the figures came out a couple of years later. I was a kid waiting outside Kmart when Kmart announced that they would have them first in where I lived. And I went into the store all psyched and I purchased my first Spawn figure. The same love that I felt when I grabbed the first comic, it was no different taking the figure and opening that figure and buying another one. To just keep seal at the time, which I still have, and the rest is history, as they say.
1: Wow, I love to hear that you are there on the ground floor, because I mean, I was collecting comics by that period. I started around ninety-one as well, and so I was getting into this world of you know of Marvel and DC and all of that. And then I remember this talk about Image Comics. I remember going to a hobby shop, and there was Spawn number one like on display at the register. It was that big a deal that they're like, "Look, yeah, you want it? You know." We you gotta dole these out everybody wants it and I looked at it and I was like that's a very interesting cape swirling around but I don't think this is for me I'll just take a pack of cards I'll take the cards so then I walked away <laughs> and I, I didn't access Spawn in any way after that except through the pages of Wizard Magazine where he was constantly on display I remember the figures appearing at Toys R Us and at Target and the other places I was shopping and I was like wow those are beautiful that is just a wonderful sculpt I'm gonna buy some more Toy Biz X-Men though let me grab these I've got some Spider-Man over here like I just <laughs> always looked the other way when it was spawned And that's why it was so important to have someone like you who was there who saw it happen and the build up and everything as
2: you can imagine collecting spawn at the level that I'm at at this point and you've seen the pictures that I as I'm hunting finding new things but I also meet people that are providing these items, right? And some of those are former employees, former people involved with Image. And they tell me the, the stories, right? And, and I'll go in, meet them, and say, hey, here's a figure. But then we'll spend five hours just talking about Spawn an image and the early days of Todd McFarlane Productions, Todd McFarlane Toys. So I enjoy as much as I collecting. I also enjoy listening to the stories
1: from the 90s. Now, are these collected anywhere? Do you have a blog? Do you have a YouTube channel? Like the things that you're learning, where does it get shared? Does it get stored? Have you considered that? I am
2: seriously considering it, absolutely. As you can imagine when we're talking about former employees or sometimes current employees, let's just say, there's always that line where I don't want to get somebody in trouble or if they give me something from their personal collection, as you know, there are items that Todd gave his employees for a special location. So these items are so personal to Todd right? I have seen Todd react a certain way when these employee-only gifts have been presented to him to sign. And his mm. reaction is like, whoa, how did you get this? <laughs> but he's very cool about it. But yes, you can imagine that I am seriously considering talking to the sources and say, hey, there's a story behind this figure. It's not just this you know, piece of plastic that, that okay, sure, it's a collectible, but there's a story behind it. So I think there's a great story to tell. The YouTube channel, it's definitely about to kick off. I do have the Instagram where I'm constantly putting something from the collection. There's the Twitter as well. And as you know, I'm always getting stuff away, stuff that I have extras of. I love sharing that with the community.
1: Yeah, it's so wonderful to see what you're doing over there. So we definitely recommend everybody check out at Pogo Man on Twitter and Instagram. It's great, great stuff. But we are going to ask now, Ty, because obviously you have to reach out to these people. you got to talk to them. Maybe back in the day you wrote a letter to the Spawn letters page. We are going to open up Mr. McFarland mailbag <laughs> Normally we're dealing with our buddy Willy Lumpkin, but this time around, it's all about Todd, and so Wizard hit up their readers and their America Online subscribers for questions to ask Todd, and here is some of the stuff that they came up with. This is what the fans wanted to know at the time. So this guy here, who goes by the name XXBeastXX at AOL.com he said, I read somewhere that when you created Spawn, your goal was to make him as popular as Superman in your opinion how well do you think spawn has been received generally in respect to your goal for him ty do you want to read that response
2: sure thing i I know rob Liefeld. that's a great todd voice what, what, what Since is his is conception, I think Spawn has been <laughs> he, heading forward. <laughs> I think that the growth has been there, but it's been diversified into different areas. I might have to downgrade my goal for Spawn to be in half a household name because of his dark nature. The people I'm targeting will get it, but I don't think Mom, Dad, and Junior ever will embrace Spawn as they do Superman. And it's it's crazy if I may add to that answer that. Part of his goal was to make Spawn a household name, understanding the dark nature of it. But looking at the way superheroes are these days, you look at characters like Deadpool, they are embracing kind of like dark, dark humor, even dark tones. So I think now Spawn resonates more than ever. And and if you go to stores, you go to GameStop, there's Spawn product. If you go to Target, there's Spawn product. And people are anxiously waiting for Spawn product. One of them will be the Medieval Spawn Kickstarter. So I think his answer back then to now, I think mom and dad have embraced spawn as well today
1: one thing you mentioned i think is a barrier for entry on spawn for most people is that deadpool is outrageous and violent and you know a little gory sometimes but it has the humor spawn does not deal in humor todd mcfarland does not deal in humor he's at least in the way the comics are presented like you might get a little black humor from the clown and stuff like that but it's so melodramatic and the nature of the things i like like, it's interesting because Deadpool actually talks about a lot of the same stuff that is in Spawn comics, like very taboo subjects. But again, it's done with a laugh and it's outrageous. In Spawn, it's dead serious. Like, Todd McFarlane is like, this is a terrible thing that happens in society and Spawn is going to write this thing and kill this child killer and all that type of stuff. And you're like, oh, geez. Like, this' Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that is hard to make it mainstream because of that reasoning, even after all these years. Recognizable, yes, but accepted, probably not.
2: Yeah, and and I think Todd has kind of also understood that it doesn't have to be that etchy violence. I I mean, if we pick up the comics right now, like we have Scorch, which if you read it, it kind of plays out like an X-Men book, like this team. So there is the violence factor because he still, you know, shoots people and and kills people. We're dealing with demonic undertones. But I think it's, his writing is also kind of, he's trying to kind of fit in into what may be mainstream. So I think there's an angle that he could sell. And maybe that's what's playing right now and trying to make it. the movie. Is still, we don't know what is that, that audience that he's targeting, right? Because it could be really well-received. But then if he's targeting just the dark, dark violent, that would be a tough sell, I believe, uh, today.
1: Yeah, so we'll definitely get into more movie talk here shortly because, yeah, there's so many places to go with that. But why don't you give us the next question from Dr. Migo at AOL.com. Are you no longer drawing the monthly Spawn Cup? And Todd says, Bingo! We're trying to promote Spawn across the world, and as a result, I find that I'm not able to put nearly as much effort into the actual book. I think I was starting to cheat the pages, so I've handed over the penciling to Greg Capullo. I continue to write and guide the book, and I ink over his pencils to keep a consistent flavor for what has been laid down before. So that was kind of the big news of the last few months leading up to this issue, right, is that Todd was stepping away, still writing, but not penciling. And so we've got Greg Capullo, uh, who a fantastic, Guy just gave me a birthday greeting uh, over my birthday weekend, which I was very excited about.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. So
1: as a dedicated reader for all those years, what did you think five years later or so when Todd was stepping away from giving you the art that you were so infatuated with, you had to show mom?
2: (laughs) I know, right? Well, there was a period of adjustment. Issues 16, 17, 18 were the first issues where Greg Capullo, entered the Spawn world, and it was different. I could tell there are a few differences. I could tell also that he was a student of Todd's. So there was a lot of influence and perhaps in coaching from Todd into how Greg wanted to approach the character. But the most amazing thing from that was that Greg developed his own style. And by the 30s of the issues of Spawn, it's probably the peak, all-time best Greg Capullo pencils on Spawn. I mean, he gave him a new look. I mean, that boot, which... Everybody has come to love that crazy, crazy messed up cape, which before it was clean, perfect angles. Now it was this raggedy thing that alive cape. And so I think I consider Greg the ultimate Spawn artist after Todd, of course, but, but Greg gave Spawn such a unique look. And Spawn and Greg Capullo are just go one in one just like it can
1: go with Todd. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, obviously, yeah, he definitely developed his own style and he has continued to flourish in his career. So, it sounded like, as we were talking earlier, Ty, that you may have had some interactions with Todd over the years and run into him at conventions and elsewhere. So, what can you tell us some of the circumstances where you have run into Mr. McFarlane? And is there a question you still have not asked him? Like, if you had a one-on-one interview, is there something you want to know about the creation of Spawn, the world of the toys like what what is the burning question
2: i have met todd several times growing up in jersey as east coast people will tell you we had all the conventions we had all the shows toy Fair. New York Comic-Con, the Big Apple Comic-Con, and we used to have this flagship Toys R Us store in Times Square where he did a signing for the for the baseball figures when they were So I have had the chance to meet Todd several times as, as a fanboy. You finally get to the table and, and you, you are like, uh, uh, I really like your art, Todd. And Paul our- <laughs> When is the new movie coming out, right? These are the questions that everyone asks. Uh, I, sometimes I kind of stay on the side just to hear the other questions, and they always are about the movie. They're always, would you draw Spider-Man again, right? All these questions. Uh, number one, in every single time that I've met Todd in person, he's been nothing but awesome, not just with me, but with the fans. And he takes time to answer your questions and, and talk to you. and really does. And that makes a difference, so... If if that tells you anything about the person uh, at the time that I've met him, it's that he takes the time to listen, sign your items, and, and be very graceful about the fact that you are a fan of his work, his figures, his products, etc. Now, my questions, probably I would ask him Todd. Um, what does it take to work for you? Because I'm ready. I think I can bring some of my fresh ideas to the table. So let's do something. I'm not that far from Arizona. Everything is remote. Let's make it cool, right? Because everything has to look cool. Everything has to be cool with Todd. So I would say I can
1: make it cool. (laughs) That's awesome. And, you know, speaking of Arizona, you know, I used to live there. I've shared this on the podcast before, but I actually ran into Todd at a movie theater. Mm. There was a a Star Wars screening from, you know, the animated series, The Clone Wars. There was this movie they were doing a special event screening of. And so I went to that and I just, I was like, that's Todd McFarland, Like, and not being a Super Spawn fanboy, Like, I just kind of just, wow, okay, there he is. But I didn't, like, I didn't go up and talk to him. I didn't, like, a approach him because i was just like what would i say i was like i know who you are uh thanks bud you know like what what else would there you know be there so but i always thought that was interesting and i i realize now after the fact that you know i worked just around the corner from his offices for years and i just never wow. bothered to stop in it just never occurred to me again it's, it's a wasted opportunity when a fanboy's like what he was right there you know
2: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that about the office in arizona because i was just there for work and I just looked up the address for McFarlane Productions and I drove over, but it was it was a holiday so I I still jungle on the door to see maybe they're inside. But no, <laughs> it, it it was closed. But yeah, I and you had the same reaction, right? You
1: see him and you're like, uh 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 so when are you gonna draw Spider Man again? <laughs> So that's great. Well, so now let's get into the details of this issue, because, yeah, there's a lot to it here, a lot of interesting content that Wizard was creating at this time. They knew they had to feed the fandom. That's what everybody wanted. And so the first thing to note about this Spawn Special Edition tribute issue was it was released in 1996, but no cover by Todd. He just said he's stepping away from the art that includes providing art for this issue. So it's a Tony Daniel cover, Uh, and it's pretty good. I mean, it's a Nice image. You recognize Spawn. You're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the thing is, uh, it came polybagged with a lot of interesting things. Of course, you get the America Online subscription disc. You gotta have it. The McFarland Toys catalog and the promise on the polybag itself of of eight Spawn posters inside. Plus, there was an offer for a mail-away Angela Static Cling decal. So, I have to ask, in your collection, have you come across the decal, tie? Is that in your archives?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, my friend. It still hasn't been used, and I also have the trading card that Wizard provided in a later issue, graded as well. But to answer your question, yes, I do. It is part of the Spawn Hunter collection, and it's beautiful. Drawn by none other than greg Capullo.
1: Excellent! So glad to hear that that is there. We'll have to see that on social media. We'll follow your account after this episode comes out. We'll take a look at it because that's uh that's so cool. Now, the other thing to keep in mind about this: those eight posters. So, do you have a favorite of the posters that were included? My favorite
2: one has to be the first one as you open the special issue, which is Spawn crashing in through the window into the Angel headquarters, uh, and I believe that's issue thirty-two. And he is just breaking through, and you can see just the cape, the chains, glass breaking all over the place. And my favorite part of Spawn's costume, even today, that big boot just breaking through (laughs) that window, and it just looks glorious. At this point, I was like, Greg had Spawn down to a science.
1: Now, the other big feature that they added in this issue was called Sympathy for the Devil, and it is an overview of the Spawn Saga up to about issue 48 or so. Scott Beatty, a wizard staffer, wrote that. And now, Ty, had you read every single issue up to this point in 1996, where you buying them every time they came out?
2: Oh, yes. I had to wait a whole month. And sometimes, and this happened a lot with the image books, let's be no. honest, they <laughs> were late and they just drove me crazy and we didn't we didn't have a trade paperback really. It was crazy having to wait over a month for the next issue, absolutely.
1: Now we're, we're not going to go over this full abridged coverage of the storylines here but there is a fun sidebar on page 11 called What A Ride that gives an even more concise look at the trials of Al Simmons. Basically it breaks down kind of the pros and cons of being spawned so I'm going to have Ty read the good column, and I will read the bad column, and we'll kind of get an idea as to what Al had been going through, so take it away. All right.
2: The good. Al Simmons cheats death to return to his wife, Wanda Blake.
1: Bad. Not only does he lose his soul in the process, but his best friend marries his wife. Worse, Terry'd want to have a kid, something Al couldn't accomplish in life. Evidently, the government hitman was firing blanks. (laughs)
2: Good. Despite all of that's happened, Al still
1: loves Wanda. Bad. Even if they were to reunite, she would have to overcome the basic fact that Al currently looks like a burn victim. To top it off, when Al tries to look like before a normal African-American male, he can only transform into a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy. Let's see another good. Granny Blake believes Al's an angel
2: and reassures him that the love Wanda felt and perhaps still
1: feels for him. But the bad, Granny's blind as a bad, can't see Al, for the pizza face demon he really is. A good one. New York street bombs have welcomed Simmons with open arms. Bad. Too bad having spawned in their midst has almost killed them all numerous times. That did happen a lot.
0: <laughs>
2: good. Heaven is leaden with beautiful women. A guy's dream
1: come true. Oh, yes. Bad. These chicks would just as soon give Al the what for and kill the poor sap. Good. Spawn protects the innocent. Bad. Don't expect any happy endings. Al once repeatedly etched the words, I beat my kids, onto the body of a child-abusing father to teach him a lesson in restraint. After Spod left, the father took it out on his kids. Left with no recourse, the oldest son shot and killed his pa. Thanks for all the help, Al. And thanks for the happy storytelling, Todd. <laughs> so intense. <laughs> yeah. It
2: really was. not Good. Having cool powers sure can be fun.
1: Bad. It's probably not worth it if receiving them means uh, you have your face blown off by your partner, discover your boss gave the order, get the cosmic shaft from the devil, and learn that your buddy was probably in on the whole deal. So many twists and turns in the life of Al Simmons. There was,
2: and there still is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so next up here, though, the Spawn Trivia Contest is something that promises a killer grand prize to those who are maybe even just casual Spawn fans based on the questions. But uh, let me read a little bit here, and then Ty's going to tell us how to play. So, the Spawn Trivia Contest. Hey, you! yeah you with your nose buried in that copy of blood feud due to the upcoming summer olympics and the fact that this is the spawn special we really have to throw a contest of some sort in here we just wouldn't feel right about ourselves so here she be give her a fly show us how much you know about spawn and you just might walk away with a comic collector's dream and then we have wanda and terry sitting at a table one is like looks like that wizard contest was a success and terry's not looking too well and he's saying don't i know it i'm gonna be up all night going through the these entries and what is spawn saying on the other side ty
2: no i will have those for my collection
1: (laughs) and why don't you tell them how they're supposed to play all you have to do
2: is put your answers to the spawn questions right there on the official entry or put him along with your name, address, and phone number on a 3x5 index card. Get them all right, and you just might strike gold. But getting all the answers right now won't be an easy chore. No Siri, Bob. For such a huge prize, we're going to tap the spawn lobe of your brain.
1: Away we go. All right, let's test that lobe of your brain, not the Jeff lobe, just the spawn lobe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give us the question and give us the answer, Todd. Question number one. Who gave spawn his powers? Well, that would be
2: Mal Bolger. Number two. Okay, think fast. Yes or no? Does Spawn have a dog? Yes, that was fast. What is the name of Spawn's former wife? That would be Wanda Blake.
1: The amount of times her name is said throughout the series, it's got to be impossible not to know that. She's the Uncle Ben of Spawn, you know? Or the Martha
2: (laughs) of Spawn. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you say that name? Yes. Which issue of Spawn contains the first appearance of Angela? And that would be issue number nine. Last question. Who killed Al Simmons? And the answer would be, based on the comics, would be Chapel.
1: And in the movie, Jessica Priest. Very good. Covering your bases there. All right, well, for this grand prize, one lucky reader who gets all five questions right will receive copies of Spawn number one through 50. And not only that, but each copy will be autographed by some guy named McFarland. Oogala, oogala, oogala! So congratulations, Ty. <laughs> How many autographed copies of Spawn do you own? I do have a few key issues, as
2: the collectors will call them, yeah. signed by Todd. And in addition, I feel like there's the other products that I like to get signed by Todd, like the statues that are signed by Todd. And also I have baseballs. Signed by Todd. Oh. Yeah, the comic placed it on the safe side. Nothing wrong with it. And it's cool. But now I'm kind of venturing into that other area of collecting, which when I want to present an item to Todd and have him sign it. So, so yes, I have several, several comics signed by Todd, but sadly, I did not win this grand prize. But hey, I, we played it again. I got him right. So, hey, Todd.
1: <laughs> Retroactively, send them over, Todd. Come on. Absolutely. They don't have to be CGC
2: 9.9 graded. I'll take them wrong. Yeah, that's fine. They're that bad so, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ha, ha, All right. Well, next up here, we have something called Devil's Advocate, which is an interview with Todd McFarlane about his career in comics, which has been covered at length so many times in so many places. Todd is a very popular interview subject. I'm sure he has it all worked out. He's just like, this is what I say. This is how it goes. But there are some interesting tidbits that are put into here. For example, Todd reveals that even before collaborating with Frank Miller on the Spawn Batman one shot, he actually inked some panels for the Dark Knight returns without frank knowing so todd explains how he talked his way into making an unauthorized contribution to this legendary miniseries through the assistant of klaus jansen the inker who he was friends with and todd said quote i've never i've never inked before but i got i just gotta lay down something so i can look at it and go hell that brick is mine that was my proudest moment by then i had people going hey are you the guy who does infinity ink yeah but i did the bricks in dark knight number three <laughs> yes do you have a copy of that? <laughs> for that reason,
2: I have a copy of that. Absolutely, it's a great uh, and all for all comic book readers and comic book collectors and enthusiasts and people getting into the comic book world of collecting or reading. I believe having a trade paperback copy of that story is a must-have, and it's one that I I normally give to friends and say, "Hey, check this out." And it's such a it's become such a classic. So yes. But to connect, uh, the story about the inking, it just shows you how driven Todd McFarlane was early on in his career because he knew that's what he wanted. And he had that vision quest that, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it work. And it's the equivalent of people, you know, starting from the bottom up. You got to drive it. You got to work hard on it. And reading that story, which, which by the way, reading the special that we're talking about today was the first that I heard about the inking of that, that issue. Mm-hmm. So. It gives another layer of that hardworking part of Tom McFarlane and how he wanted to break into comics
1: yeah it's really fascinating you know And you know, a revelation to me you know many issues back was him talking about how he originally worked at a comic book store for many years so like while he's submitting all his packets and trying to get you know discovered he's in the thick of it and that's why I think it's so interesting Is by the time Todd is actually drawing comics and doing Spider-Man you know to great acclaim like he's been so involved in that world that he can take the business side of it just as well as the artistic side it seems like so many artists fall back on their well this is my artistic thing I want to do but they don't know how to handle their business and Todd has always been about the right deal for me I know how to get it done and it's going to be my way or pretty much the highway but uh, what I love about that is he talks about his iconic take on Spider-Man but he claims that he drew the character so differently from the house style Spidey of John Romita because quote I could never compete with his stuff it's too perfect and so that makes sense right it's like yeah okay he's really going to do it his own way and I don't know if that's just a line after the fact where he's just like, well, you know, I'm not gonna draw it like everybody else because I don't want to. But I'll tell you, it's because I could never do a John Romita version. So this is how I can draw. That's what it's gonna be. It, it, and he worked out. I mean, that
2: style that he's yeah. given Spidey. I mean, with all respect to Mr. Romita, right? But there's that younger generation, like my generation, where I thought that Spider-Man of his was so dynamic and so cool looking. And that's something that you'll hear a lot too from Todd. That cool factor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, it was so different from everything else that had been happening for like the last decade in Spider-Man comics, where it all kind of looked the same. So definitely a reason it broke out. But then when he finally gets into the world of Image Comics, when he's going to launch his own deal with Spawn, it's interesting because, you know, he really does seem to have tunnel vision on developing and marketing only Spawn into a success. Like that is the focus in those days. He says, quote, I didn't know that it would be the right character, but I I vowed that I would spend some time with Spawn so that even if it wasn't working I'd try to retool it rather than moving on to something new. The first six, seven issues were really me floundering but then as each successive issue was written, another piece of the puzzle came together. And I think that stick-to-itiveness is, I mean, it's why people respect Todd so much is that he isn't this guy jumping around. You know, he wasn't somebody who was like, well, you know, maybe there's a better opportunity for me here. This character didn't work, well let me try a different character. He's like, no, I believe even this character, let me figure out the way to you know present it. Although it's interesting because he says the first six, seven issues is he's floundering, maybe as a storyteller, but everybody loved those issues. Everybody wanted that art, like you were saying, so he wasn't floundering. I agree with you. Maybe I was not paying much attention to the writing because I was looking at every single
2: panel, every single corner, and that cape, right? I was <laughs> it was just about the cape. But he does definitely stick to his guns. And spawn has been with him this whole time some fans of image of the 90s will tell you probably how much they wish wildcats was still around right and and unfortunately you know with all that happened with Jim Lee and him going with DC and everything else but imagine if wildcats was still around you know to have this 20 no 30 plus year legacy of uh, of comics of this this team wildcats which at the time was also very awesome cool looking the art was fantastic so You gotta give credit where credit's due and Todd and Spawn thirty years and keep going.
1: Yeah, I mean, in two out of seven, eight bad. We got Spawn and Savage Dragon all these years. I also think it's interesting getting back to his writing real quick. One thing that he says here, you could say, well, even for a rookie, it sucked. That's a fair criticism, but I think that part of people's take on my writing still goes back to those first four or five issues of Spider Man. Although it's tough for me to critique my own stuff, looking at it now, do you think it's the best of the business? Nope. I'm never going to be a star writer. I accepted that a long time ago, but I'm not the worst guy on the block either, and I think that is very true. There are probably a a lot of critics at the time saying these books are all art, they're you know, the writing sucks, and even Wizard, like you know, Jim McLaughlin in the Magic Words Letters column, he's always like saying, you know, Spawn comics are fluff, they're nothing, you know, like he he doesn't shy away from saying he doesn't respect them. And so, it's interesting though, it's like, yeah, but they were serviceable for a story. And honestly, you go back and read them, I said, despite the content that I'm talking about, where I'm just like, oh Todd, humorless, except for Sam and Twitch, you know, give us a little bit of humor there. It's interesting to see that he's just like, yeah. I was good enough and it got done. And, you know, it wasn't like the, it wasn't laughable. It wasn't something where you say, well, this is terrible. Great art, but terrible. I was like, no, it was good enough. Absolutely last thing here that i found really interesting is that the interviewer tom russo he asks whether or not todd would try to talk rob liefeld and jim lee out of taking over the books at marvel which you know this was the big heroes reborn era that's what we've been covering at this time and so he says here yeah but you also have to understand that we each quit for different reasons if i'm bullheaded about one thing it's my whole militant attitude that marvel and dc on some level are still the enemy and to rob and jim i don't think it was ever really a war now if you're asking what Whether I might someday consider doing a Spawn Spider-Man crossover. Yeah, sure. But that's not working for Marvel. That's just giving the comic book community something it wants to see and declaring a partial truce for five seconds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love that out he gave himself, right? He's like, no, it's a loophole. I could go back to Marvel and still have my principles. You
2: know. And and he did say there was recently the last probably six or ten months where Joe Quesada did ask Todd that question. Which, by the way, was asked by me. And uh-huh. he asked Todd, <laughs> he asked Todd, Todd, what is it going to get for you to, to, to do a Spider Man issue? And the answer from Todd was, I would have to write it. I would have to draw it. I would have to ink it. And Joe Quesada said, There you go. There you have it, folks. <laughs> He's like, You give me those things and I will do that Spider Man cover. And yeah, we'll have Spawn in it
1: too, or something like that.
2: But you can apply, right? It will be under my terms. And
1: they're the terms. Well, and like he said there, too, it's always about the fans. Like, he will do it if he knows the fans really want it also. Like, he's like, I'm not doing it for Marvel's bottom line. I'm doing it, you know, because the fans are telling me this means a lot to them. And uh, it will put money in my pocket, yes. But I also know there's, you know, something special there. So, there is a sidebar here as well that I thought would just be really fun for us to go through here, Ty. It's called The Devil You Say. And it is free word association. Seems almost like a misnomer when you play the game with Todd McFarlane. If he's got you in his sights, there's nothing free about it. You pay the price. Here's his unexpurgated, unexpurgated, that is quite a word, take on friends and foes throughout the industry. So first up, Greg Capullo, vastly
2: underrated and a hell of an artist. It's as simple as that.
1: Rob Liefeld, a wild Mustang, and I mean the horse. (laughs) That was Todd's laugh. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) He's a guy who's never been broken, but you don't actually want to tame him. Jim Lee. Methodical. He knows what he wants, and he usually finds a way to get it. Eric Larson. The most simplistic in what he's done since we all went over to Image. But I say that with admiration. He just wanted to do Savage Dragon, and that's what he's done. And he hasn't gotten caught up in any of the crap that some of us have. (laughs) Yes. Jim
2: Valentino. Like an uncle. He really put the most at risk by coming over and doing what we did at Image. Because he didn't have as big a fan following. But he bared through it, and he has always been there for us.
1: And he still is. Yeah. Mark Silvestri, the most talented of the seven of us who started Image. <laughs> there it is. Dale Keon, an enigma. And not just because he left Image, but
2: even when he was with us. I thought his pit was a great character at a great time, and people were ready for it. But it trickled through his fingers. What he does is so brilliant that pit is still neat. But it could have been the character of the 90s. It had that potential. And he's right about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. There was so much buzz about Pitt. Now, Bob Harris, the X-Men editor, and now, at this time, editor-in-chief at Marvel a dime a dozen. I haven't dealt with him on the X-Men level, but to me, he's just another editor. I guess you can appreciate that he's worked on books that sell without fumbling them, but I don't really see where he does anything out of the ordinary. (laughs) That's pretty intense. We will say, though, uh, you got an earful in episode 57 when we talked all about Bob Harris, and uh, we learned what it was like sharing an office with him. Our guest, Jason Liebig, told us all about that. So if this is your first episode of Wizards, the podcast guide, to come comics, make sure you go back to episode 57 because you'll want to hear those stories.
2: Right on. Check it out, guys. Next is Frank Miller. Brilliant. I'm still in awe of a lot of what he does.
1: John Byrne, a bitter old man. Wow. The time has come when he should be playing the proud papa and going, I helped influence all these kids. And he did. All of us. And we all acknowledge that. But instead, he's like, how come those damn kids get the lollipops and the ice cream? He's not aging gracefully. <laughs> And more about his thoughts on John Byrne in just a little bit.
2: There we ask Peter David, really into himself. A guy who doesn't care whether you've got any opinion. He just wants to tell you his great opinions. And we know that beef with Peter
1: David. Yeah, that's intense. DC Comics, Enigma number two. They might argue differently, but I don't really see any effort being put forth by them to actually get in there and go, we're going to take on Marvel and beat them. To my mind, that's unacceptable. I'd die before I accepted being second best. (laughs) Image
2: at Roller Coaster. We've had our stumbles, and not everything we set out to do has come
1: to fruition interesting so he's like kind of a little frustrated at this point feels like there's more to be done and finally marvel on a course that's already been charted but none of the deck hands will acknowledge it once you're dealing with shareholders no matter how much you kick and scream you're still gonna head in a predetermined direction that's the reason i can beat the marvels and the mattels and the kenners at their own game i already know what their game is oh todd got it all figured out <laughs> So uh, next up here, though, you know, Todd had his sights set on Hollywood at this point in time. So Media Monster is a discussion of the upcoming live-action Spawn film from New Line Cinema and the animated series on HBO. So, Ty, do you have a preference one over the other? Do you like the live-action movie more or the animated series more?
2: Honestly, I like them both for what they are because they're both very different. They provide a visual satisfaction to the fan right because if you are the animated tv show fan then you get a hell of a show because the story and the art at the time was groundbreaking let's be honest that animation at the time was was unbelievable and the movie for all its fallbacks mostly based on the budget for the animation the animation was not there like we have now but i'll be flipping through channels and spawns playing guess what i'm watching it and i'm Setting up the collection, right? But I'm watching that movie, and I, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is, for what it was at the time. Is it Oscar-winning writing or <laughs> special effects? No, but it's Spawn, right? It's Spawn, live action, played by a great actor, Michael J. White, and it delivers, in, in my opinion, for for a movie made in that time, it delivers.
1: Well, here's the thing, Ty. When it comes to the live-action film, that is my Spawn. Because, like I said, I'm hearing about Spawn. I'm seeing Spawn comics on the racks, but I'm not buying them at this time. But I went to see that movie in theaters. I said, a comic book that has just become popular, just got made into a movie? This is a milestone. This is amazing. And I went and saw it and I enjoyed it because I didn't have the comparison of the comics. I was just like, this is a fun movie. John Leguizamo is hilarious as the clown. He's annoying, but he's supposed to be. You know, I enjoyed just the experience of it. And yeah, like, Mel. Bulge's mouth not moving I can't, I can't forgive that. That doesn't make sense at all. You can make a mouth move, even if you have a low animation budget. Oh, but man. everything else, like, for the time, the cape looked cool. The chains looked cool. Even just the physical costume that the actual stuntman wore is so awesome. I loved, like, the promotional posters, like, the way they lit everything and the green eyes. And, like, so I think they just did, they did a wonderful job with it all. Now, the HBO series, I did not watch at the time. We didn't have HBO when i was growing up you know we had basic cable but i've watched it now on hbo max uh, in certain episodes and i'm like wow i cannot believe this got made like the way it's made like there right. there is stuff that wouldn't be in live action hbo shows that they worked <laughs> into some of these episodes like just because they could and even uh spawn like as a concept for an r-rated cartoon mcfarland says here he says as mcfarland describes the dealings spawns jump from comics to small screen hinged on a single word i told them before we even have a conversation i just have one question can i say beep? (laughs) it's not that i wanted to say beep it's just that i knew that if they let me say beep that's the F word, guys. And they would let me do a lot of other cool stuff. So I just find that interesting. He's just like, if they're going to let me say that word, and then he just ran with it. I'm just like, ooh. So I, I prefer the movie still to the, the series for that reason. But I could definitely accept that people would say, wow, this was a groundbreaking show, like you were saying. But... Most interesting of all is there's also an interview of this with Alan McElroy, who not only wrote the screenplay for the Spawn movie, but also was writing the scripts for the Spawn animated series and then was getting his own spinoff comic to launch called Curse of Spawn. So do you have an opinion of Alan McElroy's contribution to the world of Spawn, Ty?
2: I think he did great. He made it work, right? I mean, people don't turn off the animated show after the first episode. I mean, you're You're hooked. So the story was pretty steady, and it wasn't a complicated story. Same goes with the movie, right? It, it was it was a simple story with a beginning and an end. Good guy wins. And you were not confused necessarily with all the layers of information that a movie sometimes can do. And you're confused, and you have to watch it again, and you're like, who's that? Who's You got your bad guy, you got your good guy, you got your situation. And he did well. And if you read Curse of Spawn, it's really good for the comic,
1: What's interesting is, you know, a lot of uh, fandom was talking about comics, especially Image, online back at this time, and uh, Buddy Scalera, uh, our friend uh, who has been on the show, uh, and will be back soon enough, he was running all the website side of things, and the America Online and whatnot for Wizard at this time. He has an article here called CyberSpawn, and uh, it is a profile about Spawn.com, and it is described here as, quote, a non stop orgy of electronic fun games and infotainment (laughs) so ty were you visiting spawn.com back in the 90s
2: i must have it probably didn't leave an impression because i was probably stuck with the art at the physical comics but i think it was definitely some somewhere where i stopped by and checked it out right aol obviously was so slow to load pictures right so by the time i I probably took a shower, had dinner, came back. The image would finally come up on my screen. But it must have been a stop. Absolutely. Why not? There's little Easter eggs that you had to find throughout the website. There was uh, things that you click on, right? And you can you can go through the levels of hell. And you're like, oh, I'm going to open door number two. And it tells you, no, you lost your soul. right? <laughs> and you click door number four. And it's an advertisement for a prodigal power cards. Make sure you buy them.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to share a link on social media for you all to go check out the archived version of spawn.com, because it exists. You can go and explore it, just like it's 1996 all over again. And it is fascinating, because it's like, you know, kind of the standard, but I would say there's a, just like everything Todd did with art, and when he's crafting something, there's an extra level of just panache. And pizzazz to this website where it is, you know, in addition to the Easter eggs, it just looks better than most websites at the time, and just the layouts and everything is very fun. Like just the navigation of the site itself is very interesting. So that's something to check out. And I have to mention, too, speaking of which, my one big interaction with McFarland Toys at least was in 1997, it was my first and only trip to San Diego Comic Con. And when I went there, I was only after one thing, and that was the Kiss McFarland action figures. And so I went to the McFarlane booth and I remember going to that booth and it was just laid out kind of like, it was almost like a weird like tent but it was kind of like tattered and like looked like the alley in a way. And it was just like the production. Box. It had TV screens and it had a soundtrack going and they gave you the catalog and it was full color and just really nicely printed. And I got my my Kiss action figures. That's all I bought from Comic-Con. Like that was my experience of being there. I was just like, hey. wow, McFarlane Farla did it. You know, so like that was huge for me. And I just, I've always enjoyed Todd's showmanship and the way that he really does give you an experience, whether it's a website, whether it's a booth at a Comic-Con, whether it is just the toys on the shelf, you know, it's just so awesome what he accomplishes time and time again.
2: He still does it. Yeah. What does he do? He delivers the Kickstarter spawn with a beautiful-looking box and packaging and accessories. He gives you a comic with potentially five, six different variant covers with a sketch cover, a blank cover, a 1 in 25 ratio cover, 1 in 150. So he definitely knows how to hit the marks with collectors.
1: Yeah, he's definitely got still that that twinkle in his eye and that excitement in his heart. Speaking of making your heart race, though, this next uh, article here is called Spawning Ground, and it is a breakdown of all the real people in the life of Todd McFarlane who inspired the names of characters in Spawn Comics. So for those who don't know, literally everybody in the comic is named after somebody he knows. Now, when we interviewed Scott Beatty, who wrote this article he explained that the tony twist character became the subject of a lawsuit filed against mcfarland by the nhl goon this professional hockey player whose name was tony twist that was his nickname and he lifted it and applied it to a mob boss in the series and as a result tony twist said well i should be getting money for this plus you're making me look like a bad guy it's the only person that mcfarland wasn't like personally connected to so it's kind of maybe a choice that he overstepped his bounds but Scott had to go to court and Brian Cunningham, who was the editor, they both had to go to court and they just said it was like the scariest, like worst experience of their publishing career that they had to do that. I'm going to drop a little bit of that conversation here so you could hear what Scott had to say.
0: So in the Spawn special, my editor, Brian Cunningham of Wizard, said, hey, every character in Spawn or virtually every character is named after a real person in Todd McFarlane's life. So I got on the phone with Todd as I was interviewing him for, you know, all the various pieces. And I I said, hey, I understand that you name your characters after real people. And Todd said, you know, yeah. He's like, I have the power to do it. I'm writer and editor and, you know, I do the whole shebang. And if I can't do it here, where am I going to do it? Something to that effect. I'm badly paraphrasing. So I wrote it up. I looked for every character and I got a pull quote for every single character, including Tony Twist, who was the mobster slash antagonist of the series total bad guy. Well, I didn't realize it until Todd mentioned it, that Tony Twist was named after Tony Twist, who was also the pseudonym of a hockey player for the St. Louis Blues. And Tony Twist, the real person, had a career-ending injury that, you know, it stopped him from playing hockey. Well, somebody in Tony Twist, the real person's life, told him that he had a comic book character named after him, and it was a villain. So Tony Twist, the real, went after Todd McFarlane, Spawn, Image Comics, HBO, which had done the Spawn animated series. Series And Wizard for defamation. You know, he he wanted a big payday and he eventually got it. But I was named as one of the the defendants in this piece because, you know, Tony Twist didn't like the fact that a character who looked nothing like him, who was named after his own pseudonym in hockey, was part of this. So I had to go to St. Louis and I had an intellectual property lawyer that was paid for by wizard because I, I did I asked for my own lawyer to represent me because I was I was afraid that I would be caught up in all this but in the end you know it was fun because I got to see my article that you're looking at right now blown up in big poster board behind me you know and of course I'm asked <laughs> questions by the legal team like you know did you write this when did you write this and they centered on the fact that you know where did I get the information and I said well I got it from Brian you know Brian told me he was the one who basically had the the springboard for the story however in my my research, I found that in an issue of Spawn in the letters column, Todd said exactly what we said in the article. If I can't name my characters after real people, then you know nobody can. So he is quoted in his own title as saying that, which exonerated me because the lawyers tried to to get me on the fact that where is my proof? And I I had tapes as a reporter where I recorded the conversations over the phone. But then when I was done with the story, I I recorded over them because I was a poor freelancer and I wasn't going to keep, you know, this wasn't Watergate for crying out loud. I didn't need to keep the evidence. (laughs) Once it was published, it was done. So once I uh, let them know that it was actually in the Spawn comic book, that got me off the hook. And it also got Wizard off the hook and Brian off the hook who was also deposed. And I think, you know, it went in the courts a couple years running. And At the time, Todd had the, I guess, you know, the, the big balls, pardon the phrase, uh, he was purchasing a lot of baseballs at the time, the, the home run baseballs from Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I mean, right. he was, you know, because he was making so much money with McFarland toys and Spawn and everything else, he was just, you know, burning money at, for all these uh, sports memorabilia. And that didn't help. And I think Tony Twist ended up getting a couple million as a result. And Tony Twist, if you are listening, uh, I did help you get that big payday. So <laughs> If you have anything left over, certainly you At can At least throw side some. of
1: hockey puck, side of sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: give me a memory of something. I Actually, I, I think there was some comic book store in St. Louis that had acquired the blow-ups of my stories. And I tried to contact them to say, hey, can I have one to frame? Because, you know, it was the most scandalous part of my freelance writing career to date
1: that's what we'll say if any of you you know canadian listeners and we know you're out there listening <laughs> if you have a connection to some sports expo or con where tony twist yeah. is going to be there we'll send up the spawn special you get them to sign it
0: <laughs> Get yeah, the of the story i i think i'm lo- owed at least a finder's fee for helping tony twist to take todd to the bank and there you go you know. So I, I think Todd's okay now, but uh, he, he did have to pay.
1: There you go with that. A very, very uh, harrowing time. But of course, you know, of note in here, wizard head honcho Garib Sheamus had his name used for one of the bums in the alley. <laughs> and McFarland admits to using the first names of his comics industry rivals, Peter David and John Byrne, and giving them to KKK members in one of his stories. Yikes. Like, he is going to stick it to (laughs) Yeah. Yes, he does. That is intense. You know, the only one that I noticed in here that does not have an origin of somebody he knows is Angela, but that's because he didn't create Angela, right? That's right. So Neil Gaiman maybe knows an Angela, but I'm sure it's just a play on the word angel. (laughs) So she's angel, uh?
2: (laughs) Yes, and, and what a character she was and what an impression she's
1: left. Absolutely, yeah. I just think that that's such an interesting choice to make, right? To say like, yeah... Oh, you're my sister? Well, now you're an angel warrior named Tiffany. You
2: know? <laughs> yes, and Domina.
1: Now, next up here, though, this is really what I feel is the main event, okay? Because Ty is here as the authority on Spawn collectibles. And so this article is called Spawnorama, and it is interesting in particular because it's notable that this is just like a few pages. I For know. the amount of Spawn merchandise which has been produced and what you're seeing here, they're like, oh, there's a board game. Oh, there's. Some action figures coming out, you know. It's some Pogs. You have the Pogs, Ty.
2: I do. I have the Pogs. I have the single carded pogs I have the box set. I have two box sets. They're different. I have the baggy ones. I have the mail away. <laughs> so yes, I do have them. Do I know how to play it? That's the better question. I do not. But if somebody wants to come over and teach me, we'll crack open <laughs> some boxes and uh
1: we'll play. So talk to me. When did it actually kick in for you that I'm going to really go whole hog and collect as many, all the variants, all of those different things? Like, do you... Is the majority of your collection just collected over years, or has it happened in recent history?
2: It's been over years, absolutely. When you see the pictures, when people uh, with with other collectors are like, whoa, how do you have so many? It's because I have been collecting since those Series 1 figures hit Kmart. At the time, I didn't think, as a young fan collector, I don't think in my mind I thought, oh, this is like the next star wars right where like these are gonna be worth a lot of money in my in my mind i just really like the character i really like the product i was presented and it displayed really well and uh, they were hanging on the wall they were hanging series one was hanging on the wall and then all of the series were hanging on the wall, and I appreciated not just the, the figure being displayed on the on the blister card, but there was art involved with it, right? If you look at the art of Spawn figures, it was it was based off the covers, it was based off some popular panels. So now you have the kid who earlier told you that loved the art of the panels but now you have a figure in 3d form based on that same art so it's been over years and now yes i can spend time and look and, and find hey there's this variant that was only released in germany boom That start hunting that one oh this one was released in canada or this one was released in south america because it was the blisters in spanish so it's never ending i'm, yeah. I'm always hunting
1: let me ask you this then what is your most bizarre piece of spawn merch in your opinion like Why did they make this?
2: (laughs) I could think of quite a few, to be honest with you. But there is a character, and I believe he is from Series 7, I believe, or Series... Yeah, Series 7. It's called Nobody. And if you ask other spawn collectors, they'll say, like, what is that figure? (laughs) Was that like a heavy night of drinking? And they decided, like, hey, let's make this character call him Nobody, right? And... I have him. And I always look at it and I'm like, why? Why was this made? (laughs) And guess what? I have four of those or different variants.
1: Wow. And of course, one of the, the characters that got quite a few variants in the early days, I think one of the earliest, was Overt Kill, right? Like there was like so many different pain applications and things like that. So did you know about the variants as a kid or did you learn about those many years later?
2: No, definitely many years later because we didn't have that online and there were so many collectors overseas that were getting probably different variants too, right? So there was not that community coming together just yet. I think it's mostly recent and thanks to websites uh, like Spawn World and other collectors and other friends that you meet through collecting that they tell you, hey, there's this different paint application or there's a different variation on the card that you learn about them. And to be honest with you, you nothing surprises me because I learned something new yesterday.
1: And is there something that has, like, Eluded you up to this point. Is there just like a variant or a certain item where you're like, ah, I know this exists. I just can't find it or I saw it once and somebody else got it and I've never seen it again. Cause I'm a collector myself and I have a, uh, you know, quite a few things on my list where I'm always like, ah, why didn't I just buy that for 20 bucks when I saw it? Cause it's never shown up again. Oh, that
2: pain is daily. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. As yes, I was, uh, as some of you know, I, I travel a lot for work. I'm traveling constantly for work. And I'll have an auction that it so happens to end when I'm in the middle somewhere over the ocean. And, <laughs> and I miss that auction, right? And I have set alarms on my phone that kick off when, when the auction is about to end. But oh, the pain happens constantly, constantly. There's always something that I, gosh, I missed it. What has eluded me, and I it's finally in my collection, we talked about uh, the employee-only gifts. Those were definitely... Uh, quite the hunt. So with that said, I can tell you that those employee
1: only gifts are part of the collection officially. All of That's awesome to hear. Now, last question. Is there a character or is there a variation or something that there's a figure you wish would be produced that still has not been produced?
2: Wowzers. That's a great, great question. I think we have seen every character from Spawn. But with that said, there is also, for example, the Jim Downing version of Spawn when Jim Downing was spawned for quite a bit on the Endgame story arc, right? So we never got a Jim Downing action figure or a version of Spawn based on Jim Downing. That would be something cool to have, right? We also now have, you know, the Scorch with uh, new characters. And so I think there's potentially, we could see more of them, but Right off the bat, Jim Downing spawn I thought he was cool looking whilst Portacio kinda of helped design the look of him as a spawn. So I think uh, so I think it would be cool to to see as a special edition uh dad
1: version of spawn. All right, well Todd, you listening, you heard it there. Let's get that Jim Downing spawn.
2: <laughs> Class the ten variants of the thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now uh, the rest of the issue it's mostly just profiles on all the supporting characters in the Spawn Saga. Now, most interesting to me was learning that the Spawn costume symbiote actually has a name, which is K7 Letha. And I was like, that is a wild name. Because, like, for example, I'm a big Exo War fan. So, you know, he has his different armors that he's had over the years that had their name, too. But I didn't understand that Spawn's costume was living, but I thought maybe it was just controlled by Malbolgia, like, I didn't quite understand, so the idea that it's sentient as K7 Letha kind of got my attention, but do you have a favorite, like, supporting character in the Spawn universe? Great question.
2: I would have to say, you know, I like how Medieval Spawn has come into the the lore, and I always liked Medieval Spawn when he was uh, first released on Spawn number nine, and he just looks awesome, and I think he plays a really important supporting character. Now I think they're finally coming around and saying like hey, we can make this guy like a teammate right Not just him fighting solo, but two different characters, different costumes and helping each other fight the, fight the fight
1: okay that's cool all right now what's interesting to me is so you know i said i never read spawn comics and that's true the first spawn adjacent comic that i read was the sam and twitch series by brian michael bendis i can't even remember now i think it was just like a used bookstore i saw this black and white comic with sam and twitch i was like oh those are guys from the spawn comic i remember that i've heard about them so i started flipping through i was like oh this is interesting art okay this looks like could be a good story and so i just bought it because it was cheap and i loved it like i really enjoyed that and it was so funny i stayed with sam and twitch i'm like i like them i'm still not buying spawn comics but <laughs> so i just say like favorite supporting character for me definitely those guys i see why they got a spinoff they're just they're a ton of fun but one character that fascinates me in spawn lore and in the action figures and everything else just in the world of image because he has crossed over so many times is overt kill because his origins as a character is that He was just like an art exercise filmed on camera Todd and Rob Liefeld were with Stan Lee in this video and they're like this is how you create a comic book character and they're talking about it and Rob's drawing it up and you know Todd's like ah oh, you should do this you should do that you know Stan Lee's kind of making fun of him <laughs> like ah oh, yes. you kids with your shoulder pads or whatever you know then Overkill though he continues to like be destroyed and then rebuilt and come back and destroyed and rebuilt and then like I was just reading some other image comics some Wildcats like when Alan Moore was writing Wildcats, he brought Overt Kill into a story. And so it's just like, it's so interesting that it has endured, but it was just a sketch, (laughs) you know? So what is your thought on Overt Kill as a character over the years? I think he works because,
2: like you said earlier, he's cyborg, part robot, part, you know, maybe a little human parts here and there. But we're going back to Todd's cool approach, cool factor, right? You can blow him up, right? You can... Blow out his arms and, and, like, make a cool explosion and make his little parts fly out, as you can see, every time he just gets smashed around. But I think it's cool to have a character that, yes, you can destroy him, you can, like, blow him up, and then he can come back because they can rebuild. So, But now he comes back bigger. More cyber parts, more cannons, more belts. So in, in the world of comics, I think you need a character that you can, you can just shoot him up, destroy him. And then five issues later, he comes back with more weapons. And I think Overkill allows himself to play that role to, to be the guy like you can visually draw this great explosion or battle and he can still function
1: yeah he's definitely a lot of fun I, i love that whole concept so last thing here though one oddity worth mentioning in this spawn special is that page 93 is a random page from the pick section of a regular issue of Wizard magazine. It has nothing to do with Spawn. There is no reason it should be there. And so I checked with editor Brian Cunningham and the person who was in charge of the special issues back in the day, the one and only Doug Goldstein. So I reached out to them. I said, "Guys, what was up with this? Was it literally just a filler page? Was it erroneously inserted at the printers? Like did something get mixed up? What happened?" And they They unfortunately had no recollection. They were baffled. They were like, how did we let this happen? (laughs) You know, like... Right? I just think it's so funny i'm sure they just had to get it out and uh just yeah some something got clicked the wrong way and this page jumped in because doug was asking me he's like well is it listed like somewhere in like on that page in the table of contents does it say something else is supposed to be there and i'm like no it just says like spawn fun for the next few pages after page 88 or whatever you know and he's like oh yeah that's bizarre so we tried just that good old wizard quality control you know (laughs) yeah so if you wanted to read about green lantern or anybody else yeah. there it was just it was only fair to get representation about generation x and green arrow and green lantern so right because it, it kind of alludes you to think
2: like you like spawn try these comics right <laughs> yeah sure captain america yeah definitely he's definitely on the dark side
1: <laughs> so strange so strange but as we close out here ty i have to ask we're past the 300 issue mark for Spawn. It is well beyond the 300 issue milestone. He beat uh, Dave Sim and Cerebus. I'm sure that was in the back of Todd's mind, you know. Dave Sim who I admire did this and now I'm going to accomplish more than that. So the question I have is, that's a lot of years. That is so many years of this character, I'm sure going through many different phases. I can't imagine reading all 300 issues and saying, oh yes, this is totally cohesive and it makes sense, but Todd Talk to me about the evolution. Like, what's the best decade of Spawn? What is the most interesting departure? Like, for you, just in your mind, having read over all these years, does it stay consistently good? Is it always something to pick up every every month? I believe
2: that when when new fans, uh, because there are new fans of Spawn, and, and they always ask that question, right? Like, what should I read? And you'll hear this a lot, but they'll tell you 1 through 50, definitely. And for me, it would say 1 through 100. I think I can go through 1 through 100. And a lot of it, a lot of stuff happens in 100, including the death of Angela. Oh, did I spoil it? But <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, there's like a beginning and an end, right? And those 100 issues, uh, if, if a new fan wants to jump on board and, and read those first 100 issues, I think they, they'll get joy out of reading them. Is it perfect? You no know, comic is perfect, in my opinion. But you'll get... Lots of cool visuals. You'll see a lot of character, uh, interaction, story build up, you know, from the, from the first seven issues, from the bombs of the streets to Malbolgia. And and all of it kind of comes into play to this huge build up that is issue 100. And it was a milestone issue for Todd to reach 100 issues of Spawn. So I think that the first 100 issues do deliver consistency again it's not gonna be a perfect joy ride. It's gonna be a roller coaster ride. But it almost gives you that closure once you reach one hundred. And that's I think that's great. And it's a, a one hundred comics, that's a lot of comics. Yeah. So if you can make it through one through fifty, I think if you can make it to the next fifty, it will be that build up from one to one through fifty and then from fifty to one hundred and give you that boom. It's like the Avengers end game. Right? And that's issue 100. And I think it really comes really well together. Beyond 100 into the 200s, it gets darker. It definitely gets darker. Oh. I was not, honestly, a huge, huge fan of the darker, darker spawn where he was just this creature from in the dark. You only see his eyes. You don't really the, the cape mm-hmm. flowing and all of that heroic stuff. It kind of goes away and he goes into a really dark mode. He goes into really like horror, macabre kind of deal. Right. And even the artists that take on Spawn during, during those issues are also artists like Jason Alexander, where their skills are highlighted by the darkness take that they have. So it plays out because a lot of fans love that stuff. They really love it when it it went dark, but it kind of caters to those fans. So to me, one through a hundred solid. And then beyond, then that's when you got to strap on and get into dark territory. And now 300 and beyond, I think he's got something going. He's doing less of the dark and doing more of the team, more of the, the heroics, more of the plot twist. And, and I think that's definitely, it's a slow build up again, but it's definitely, in my opinion, much better than the full dark. Spot
1: okay well yeah that's good to know yeah because i know that todd was saying for a lot of years when he was trying to develop a new spawn film that that's what it was right it's an idea spawn is <laughs> just like in the shadows it's just a concept you won't see this superhero in spandex you know and obviously that fell through and that hasn't happened And maybe someday soon enough we'll see a version but that's nice to know that yeah it is getting a little bit more to the entertainment side now it's like yeah a little bit of fun a little bit of excitement so i'm glad to hear that evolution has taken place but ty Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. I mean, man, it is so much fun just to get into that world that I know so little about, and to hear your enthusiasm and the things that you've pursued uh, in your fandom. So, if people want to find out what you're doing, your latest acquisition, where can they find you online?
2: I am always posting pictures of the collection on Instagram under Spawn Hunter. I'm also doing kind of like the same thing with a different twist and giveaways on Twitter at Pogoman, and very Very soon, the YouTube channel Spawn Hunter, in which people have been asking me to do videos of the collection. Yes, I promise that's coming, so people will see videos of the collection and
1: see all that I have in this room. Awesome, yeah, we will look forward to that. So keep an eye out, everybody, but thank you so much. I'm glad we got to put this together.
2: Oh, that was fun, Adam. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad that the schedules worked out.
1: And we're so glad that it worked out for your schedule to join us in listening to this special bonus podcast. Of course, we bring you you a main episode every other week covering an issue of Wizard Magazine at length, and then a mini-episode right after that to get to all the stuff we didn't have time for. Of course, on YouTube at Wizards Podcast, you can find us on our channel where we are constantly giving you 90s comic book haul videos, Wizard posters videos, and many other exciting looks back at the nostalgia of 90s comics. Of course, we want to stay in touch with you on social media, so reach out to us on Twitter at Wizards comics on instagram at wizards underscore comics and if you have checked out rt public store you can find all sorts of wizards the podcast guide to comics merch over there so represent show that you love the show that you enjoy it and get more of your geeky friends to check us out but until next time
0: of the Retro Network.